Hello, everyone. Welcome to the PM versus PMM podcast, where we talk about the four factors of being a great product person. One, building the right thing for the right users. Two, reducing risk. Three, ensuring alignment. And four, continuous learning. On this podcast, we delve deeper into product management and marketing one week at a time. I'm Aditi. And I'm Arjun. Aditi, I moved from my downtown apartment this weekend, and it was like the most sad thing ever. Like, yeah, I I spent three years there, and I my last night I like went for a walk around like around my building, and it was I just like was so full of like all the memories and stuff, and I was like looking at Google. Google Photos has this great feature where you can see all the photos taken in a location. Yeah, and I was like really using that, and I was like looking at all the stuff but the move went good it was like actually really unstressful because uh, I, I like planned it well so that was nice and now I'm living uh, I moved back in with my grandma so and she's really happy so that's good and you're blowing yeah. her mind with chat I heard yes I am oh there's a lawyer in the house <laughs> well today we're talking about factor number four continuous learning and I really want to focus this episode on all of the noise that we get as product people between different feedback and advice that we get from different teams or recommendations there's just so much noise of like what to do and how to do it and what the best approach is and i want to dive into that also in india tata has bought some manufacturing plants that many iphones and there's like something brewing there internationally that i thought would uh, be a cool topic for us so let's get started firstly why is filtering the noise so important? Well, first of all, as product people, we want to make progress. I don't know if if you experience this, Aditi, but like there's some paralysis that happens as a in a pro in product roles. Have you experienced that? Oh my god, I don't think paralysis is something that's like specific to product roles. I feel like I I face like task paralysis in every single thing I do in my <laughs> whether it's a product marketing project that I'm trying to start. Or it's the personal website that I just started working like more religiously on. Or even it's like a home task, like cleaning. There's so many things that I end up like listing out for myself that I have no idea where to start. But once I get started and I start doing it, it makes it all so much easier. So I feel like the paralysis part, like you said, it's about the noise and just like trying to figure out what's priority and what's important and doing that first. And then it kind of just like lays the groundwork for everything else to just like fall in place. At least that's what happens to me. I don't know how it works for you. Absolutely. Yeah, I think you're right. I think like when I was moving this weekend, I I even made like a little task list for myself. It's like, okay, what are the things that needs to be done? And what are the best order that I should do these things? And it helped tremendously being like, okay, I'm emptying the fridge at the end and and the garbage needs to be taken out like before and stuff like that so yeah like filtering the noise and and focusing absolutely helps us make progress right and then the other side of that i think it's really important that like what we're avoiding what like we avoid by by being focused we avoid being lost in the sauce because otherwise like months go by right and and you'll just realize like ah we didn't make any progress so both like you gotta it's important to do this because you'll make progress and and you'll save a lot of time. So one of the things that that both cause and help us to filter out the noise is all of the feedback channels that we get. What are some of the feedback channels that that you that you like, Aditi? 
I think one of the feedback channels that I love the most is feedback that I get from customer success managers. Absolutely. There we go. I absolutely love that channel because not only is it information that's coming directly from the customer, but it's it's been consolidated and filtered in a very intelligent way by the customer success managers that are working with. Yeah, them. they and see the patterns and they can tell. Exactly. And yeah. I absolutely love the feedback that I get from those people. And I, I personally love to prioritize that feedback above most of the other feedback that I get because it's so much more direct about the customer. And just like, like I said, it's just so much more intelligent and so much more like actionable in my opinion. So I I love to think about, okay, so, and our current customers are so incredibly important. I've said this before too. Current customers are sometimes people, us as product people, we try to focus on getting more customers and we have a tendency to deeper customers. And success is like the opposite of that. So I absolutely love being like, okay, what are our current customers really looking for? What are they, what are they struggling with? What are they wanting and even like, what are they actually having really fun with? All of that information is so incredibly important to help you understand how the product really interacts with the market. And yeah. I just love that feedback channel. Yeah. And I think that it's really great because it's qualitative and you can just get these, these like insights that are so much more real. For me, one of my, my favorite channels is, is like a conversion funnel. And it's like so cold and hard truths, but it if you can set it up right, it, it can really tell you where your customers are struggling. And 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 setting up a funnel for anything is is just like one of the best things that you can do, I think. And and it's so important because it straight up tells you where where the problem is, right? It's a it's a problem finding tool. And then you can use you other methods to like figure out what the the solutions need to be but i really like using both customer success for understanding the users and then the conversion funnels for understanding like the problems of the product and i think one of the things like does it ever happen to you like or i want to ask like do you ever feel like you deprioritize those two feedback channels and in favor of like other people pushing other channels i feel like it depends so at the previous company that I was at, they were a much more sales-driven sales funnel. So it wasn't product-led in many ways. While they did have like a like a product-led onboarding process, but it wasn't maturing at all. And it was something that they were working on. And when you have a sales-driven funnel, you tend to prioritize the sales people, right? And the process that the sales people go through to get people to actually like buy the product and get onboarded while you don't and you tend to deprioritize the self onboarding part of it which is what usually when you look at conversions and you look at the stats that you're talking about we tend to look at that when we're trying to do more product-led growth and at that company what ended up happening is that when I was put on the project to actually help and improve the sales funnel on the product-led side yeah a lot of the suggestions that I had or a lot of the work that I did either went unnoticed where there was no action taken afterwards or the suggestions that I did have were faced with a lot of backlash in the sense that they didn't understand why it was important because of the attitude that the most of the company had where it was like, we have to get the person to a 
sales representative rather than someone to actually use the product first. So I feel like when when I was working on a product like that, we tended to deprioritize the onboarding experience for someone who hasn't worked with the sales team. Yeah. And because of that, the statistics and the feedback that we were getting from that channel was also ignored. Mm. Yeah, it was just ignored. We were, whereas the feedback that we were getting from salespeople was probably like, was prioritized more. The ch- challenges that they were pointing out were were addressed more quickly by the product team rather than something like the onboarding experience for someone who was just trying yeah. to do a trial. Absolutely. I think for 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 the funnel, uh, where where it really gets noisy and messy is when you're prioritizing kind of like the different parts of the funnel. Like for example, I was I was our product team was was like really focused on getting the getting engineers our users into into the the dashboard experience. So okay, here is how like to set up your APIs and and stuff stuff like that. But we were not doing a good job of under teach of educating our engineers or our users, sorry. So like the documentation was like really poor. And I think if we had improved that documentation experience, it would have really opened up the funnel for that dashboard experience. And and we were like making all these small adjustments to the dashboard that weren't really moving the needle at all because we had bigger problems elsewhere. And so this can this is like important with the data that you see that you have a easier time recording is the stuff that you're going to focus on when you're looking at a funnel. And that might not always be the best. You have to take a step back and, and look uh, and make sure that you're, you're not looking at just noise, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then, and I think advocating for, for that can be difficult sometimes, you know, like, like, because you don't have the data to support it. Have you ever been in a situation like that where like you've been trying to advocate, okay, this is actually more important, but the data wasn't there to support that? I've been in a situation where I felt like the kind of assets we were creating wasn't as important as what we should be creating in the sense that we were trying, we were trying to create promotional materials and more like marketing salesy materials for our products. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I was thinking about it, I really wanted to focus more on like the technical side. So like you said, more of like educating the customer about what the actual product is. Yeah. So there were some multiple different reasons why we were focusing on one rather than the other. One was that we didn't have technical writers in the first place. Yeah. There were very few technical writers available and that made it really hard to focus on technical content. And at the other side, we were trying to infiltrate the enterprise space. And when you're traditionally, when you think about entering the enterprise space, you think about a more salesy and marketing approach rather yeah. rather than a more like educational developer oriented approach. Because of that, I felt like a really important part of a company that is selling like developer focused products, it was just not, it wasn't creating the kind of like, what do you call it? like a welcoming experience I think no it's more of just like I'm like blinking on the word so they're not creating that kind of like image of themselves that they are knowledgeable about the what they're selling you know whereas like when you're selling to a developer they want to be able to like play around with the product actually understand it 
and especially when it's something like an API where they're like they want to be able to be like okay this company knows what they're doing you know mm. and the way you create that kind of persona for yourself is by te- creating technical content and like creating that educational experience and if you don't do that you're not going to you're not going to get the trust of the actual person who's going to be using it and it's going to be incredibly harder to sell to someone when they don't trust you and especially in a case where they're using an API that is going to be so integral to their product. I just feel like that is something that was neglected on and it tends to be neglected on when people try to enter the enterprise space. And I think there's better ways to go about it without ignoring the technical educational part and not ignoring the end user. We're not talking about the person who's buying. We're talking about the end user. Who's going to be the person that's actually using the product. And when you lose sight of the actual end user, that is when everything goes awry. And I feel like I feel like that is a mistake that startups tend to make when they grow. They forget who their end user is and they start selling to the buyer. And I don't think that's I don't think that's like the most informed decision a startup can make. Yeah, and it messes up your whole process, right? Because yeah. then you're focused on how do we improve the conversion of this thing? And you're like completely forgetting about like where the touch points actually are that that matter. Yeah. Uh, And this is about, and when we bring it back to filtering the noise, this is why I love a customer success channel, because that's where you get the actual user's feedback, right? mm -hmm. You're not talking to the buyer at that point. The salesperson is talking to the buyer, but the customer success manager is talking to the actual person who's using the product. They're able to tell you, oh, I don't have enough information on how to use this, or I think that this uh, this feature sh- should be improved in such and such way. They're going to give you a lot more informed information about like what you should actually be working on. Their lives easier, and that's what the at the end of the day, that's what you're there for, right? You're there to make your end users' life easier. And if you're not doing that, then what are you doing? Yeah, absolutely. So we talked all about a lot of stuff here, Diti, but I think one of the things that that we can touch on a little bit is like how do you kind of like get the entire team to understand that where the actual priority is you know like oh actually maybe we only have 10 minutes okay we'll make it quick so like sorry i got lost so i think it's fantastic like bringing up the customer success feedback How, how do we sell that to the rest of the product and marketing teams so that we can all get on the same page as to what's important. I think as a product and marketing manager, one of the biggest things, and for a product manager too, I feel like a data-driven approach is the best way to go about it. And it's about collecting all the information that you're getting from different CSMs and being like, okay, so we're getting this information. Like this many customers have more information around this feature, or they have asked for improvements on this feature or whatever it is consolidating and coming with like, okay, I've gotten 10, 10 requests, say, for a guide on how to use a certain feature. Maybe that's something we should prioritize in the next quarter or in the next month or whatever. And it's something that you want to be like, so that's the point. Like you come with a data-driven dri- approach from yeah. that channel to be like, okay, so our end user is struggling with this and this is how we can make it easier for them. Yeah. And this is like really touching on all of the factors, right? Like that means we're building the right thing for the right people. We're 
ensuring alignment on the whole team and of course we're learning so and we're reducing, awesome. honestly like it the more you listen to your user the more chances that what you're doing is going to go in the right direction yeah it's just good product development yeah <laughs> awesome great i'm glad we got there <laughs> i love when we end up with all four <laughs> yeah me too all right let's move on to news so apple has started manufacturing their iphones in india and starting in 2020 it was the first time when Apple manufactured top-of-the-line iPhone models outside of China. And and now Tata is getting in on it. If, if you don't know, Tata is a gigantic Indian conglomerate company that like manufactures a whole bunch of things, and including like motorcycles and cars and stuff like that. But yeah, I thought it was really interesting that like Tata is getting in on that and like working with Apple to like really increase the amount of output of iPhones that can come out of India. I don't know if you know this, but India has this rule that you have to partner with a local local company to do whatever you want to do in, in India. So oh. a foreign company can't just come in and do whatever they want. McDonald's is partnered with someone. Starbucks is partnered with Tata. And there's like, if any international company goes into India, they have to partner with a local. So for local. India, I mean, for Apple, it would be like manufacturing. Yeah. So right. for manufacturing, Starbucks. Starbucks is the same thing. Like if you want to open a store in India, you have to partner with someone local. Yeah. But how would Starbucks partner with Tata? It's it's mostly about just like financials. So it's about keeping a certain portion of the profits within the country so that all profits aren't going out. Yeah. So it doesn't seem to be synergy between Tata and Starbucks. Well, Tata is a huge corporation they do a lot of different things they 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 are in the food industry and at some like level they're they're they have their hands in everything they have their hands in freaking jewelry <laughs> that's i actually didn't know that either wow tata's bigger than i they're I. they're in like jewelry they're in clothing they're in food they're there i don't think there's an industry that they're not in at this point <laughs> wow <laughs> but yeah so the point the reason why apple is partnering with someone is because of that rule every single company uh, that in india has to partner with someone yeah that's cool so and and obviously by partnering with tata or or Tata's like buying those manufacturing plants so that Apple and Tata can like really scale, you know? Yeah. And it's yeah. great to see that companies like Apple are expanding outside of China and especially in other countries like India, Bangladesh and Southeastern Asia. It's mm -hmm. really nice to be able to see like they're diversifying the manufacturing. It's good for the whole region. So I very much pro diversification like i'm not yeah. i don't have anything against china per se i'm just like it can't all be focused in one country like come on <laughs> well so i was reading about this and and apparently like a lot of manufacturing companies are doing this where they're they're calling it the china plus one strategy yeah. you've heard of that yeah it's been yeah. it's been good for a while it's not just the post-covid mm. china plus one because china's china's getting a little stricter on its regulations but also the china stealing stealing what is called like prototypes and like making duplicates that is yeah. issue for a lot of companies for a long time and they're trying the china plus one kind of like china's really cheap and like they do really good they've like gotten manufacturing down really well yeah so it's makes it a lot easier for companies to go there but this prototype stealing and like these duplicates are costing them a lot of money. So it's kind of like the China plus one is came about when they realized that this is going to cost them a lot and they need to do something. It essentially costs them the market, China market. 
in a sense because no yeah. one wants to buy the actual thing if they can get a duplicate for much cheaper right of course yeah and i think it's like geopolitically right as well there's some risk with having everything with china exactly so it just makes sense but yeah hopefully it means can you hear that okay good but yeah it looks like uh, we're gonna be getting some made in india badge on a bunch of iphones which will be pretty cool and it also makes it a lot cheaper to buy in the country too so maybe we'll go to India to buy iPhones. Yeah, people won't be asking me to bring iPhones every time I go to India. Yeah. Have you been prompting ChatGPT any different way? No, I have not. Have you used ChatGPT's new, like, ChatGPT 4's new, any new tools, like browsing and data? I actually haven't figured out browsing yet. First, what I tried it, it wasn't really working. I'm going to try browsing again. I did, I did use image for some for a stupid thing so i did i'm all about like those cheesy instagram captions i'm uh-huh. a basic white girl when it comes to instagram okay. <laughs> so what i did for instagram captions is i edited and i made my whole picture and then i fed it to chat tv and i told it give me like 10 different captions that you would put for this and i gave it like a little context like I, this is from like tahoe and like i went with my family or whatever and i and it spit out like 10 different captions in like 10 different like voices and different or whatever and i was like okay this is great i don't have to do any more thinking not that i did much thinking it in the first place but now at least it's a little more unique yeah you also have the most basic captions so like chat gpt's captions are also like good enough exactly so like i'm just like whatever like there's the same thing that i would be doing regardless well that wraps up our episode of pm versus pmm Remember, the four factors of being a great product person, build the right thing, reduce risks, ensure alignment, and continuously learn. Reach out to us on LinkedIn if you'd love, like to uh, be on the podcast and have any feedback for us. Thank you for listening. See you Bye. guys. Bye.